You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan, and welcome to a first ever in the history of the show playoff clinching episode. If I still had my New Year's noisemakers, I'd be blowing the, <laughs> the you know, the you party know, favor thing right into the mic. For the first time, Grump, we can have a little X next to our name. You know, when they look in the newspaper and they show the standings and you see like a you know, the 49ers or the Cowboys or something is an X when that means Clint's playoff spot. So yeah, not the E know, for eliminated. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, you know, we said this at the game yesterday, uh, you know, 12 months ago, almost to the day we were watching the giants, you know, take a knee on third down inside their own five yard line. And wondering if this has been the lowest point, you know, certainly of modern Giants history. But uh, to, to be here 12 months later and talking about having a week 17 that's utterly meaningful, meaningless for us, it's really fascinating. It really is something. And it's it's also, I know we have some recent history with a first-year head coach taking a team to the playoffs. But... Um, before we get into the game itself, I do want to underscore the difference between taking over the 2021 Giants with an unknown at quarterback, generally considered an, a nationally considered uh, lower tier quarterback at the time. You know, lots of cap problems all over the place. Um, taking that team and bringing them to the playoffs is not really the same as taking the 2015 Giants, which had battled back and were almost in the playoffs in 2015, despite not having JPP for half the year. Um, and, you know, having a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, despite whatever age concerns you had about Eli Manning in 20, 2015, 2016, he was not a noodle arm at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so huge difference between what Ben McAdoo accomplished and what, Brian Dable accomplished. Yeah, Would you agree with, with, with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when Ben McAdoo got here, we weren't throwing the words around rebuild and roster purge, and you know, this is going to take take time to to redo. Not at all. Um, you know, when when, when and you had to put Joe Judge. I'm sorry. Um, you know, Brian Dable with Joe Shane and with Mike Kapka was everybody's brought at the same time to tear this thing down and start over because remember, you know, we got rid of guys in this off season that we had to just to get under the cap, you know, and they made some pretty significant um, personnel moves that, you know, kind of flew in the face of logic a little bit like Logan Ryan getting cut um, because they wanted to start by building a culture on this team. And just a funny thing happened along the way to building culture. They started winning games and kept winning games. And there was a kind of a late season lull and they snapped back. And 
we are not falling into a playoff spot. We're not backing into a playoff spot. We've earned a playoff spot. And it, you know, if Brian Dable should be a finalist, if not the winner for coach of the year, um, just on that alone, by taking this group, this roster that, you know, has some stars, has some real talent, but really is in the beginning stages of a rebuild. And it's just kudos to all these guys for, for doing this this year. Yeah, I think was my prediction um, two weeks ago that they would start to build their momentum after uh, beating Washington. They were they were going to beat Washington and then they were going to steamroll the Colts. Wasn't that my prediction a couple weeks ago? Sort of like that, yeah. Yeah, it was something something along those lines. Um, I think that that's what we're seeing here. Like just like you were saying, there was a there was a little bit of a lull in the late bit of the season there, uh, where you know I think two very unnecessary injuries kind of culminated then along with the regular wear and tear this season. And the schedule got tougher too. We played some and, difficult teams in that stretch. True, true. This is not you know we are celebrating, we are making the playoffs, but I don't think anybody realistically thinks that this team is going to the Super Bowl. No, I don't I actually don't agree with that now that we look at it. Uh Detroit is right on par with Green Bay and Seattle come the end of the year right now. Okay. So I mean those are those D- Detroit was uh Detroit and Seattle were both in that stretch of bad games, but Green Bay was not. Um I think I think it is just kind of injuries and getting tired. I think it was really just that. They they kind of broke down a little bit there. Um, well, there was a Dallas and a Philly in there too in that stretch. Yeah, but th- those were those were the same losses, I guess. Eh, the Philly, yeah, you're yeah. the Philly. You're they, right. You're right. The strength of schedule got harder during that period than you know. Yeah. Right now, or, but or regardless, they they are not going backwards into the playoffs, as you said. They no. are getting healthy at the right time. They're building momentum. They pretty much just beat the living shit out of. The Indianapolis Colts, and that that brings us to this game, thirty-eight to ten. The offense scores more than thirty points for the first time since forever. Oh wait, did they? Yes, they did. Thirty-one mm-hmm. points on offense, seven points for the defense. Um, a defense that only gave up ten points as well. Um, an absolute shellacking. I would say this was over by before halftime. Oh yeah, I mean they had they had like a. A, a bomb that was basically like was a glorified punt that they completed, which they still only got three points off of. I mean, that was most of their offense for, you know, a big chunk of the first half was that one play. I mean, it was just it was a total team effort, and you know, they were feeding off a crowd that was ready to have a party. Um, it kind of felt like a little like the old stadium for one of the very first times since MetLife has been built. Um, we had a different perspective, Grump and I. We weren't in our normal seats. Um, we splurged and we got club seats, and that was a much more rowdier crowd than uh, than we're used to, you know, down in our normal seats. And it definitely felt like, you know, it it felt like the old days. This was an interesting game because it had all the makings for a classic uh, Giants Stadium crowd. And you know, we called out the crowd um, and Giants fans specifically a couple of weeks ago. So. Uh, I guess kudos here. You, they, we, there is an audible feel. So if you go through, and uh, this is kind of just something I, I do, just watch highlights of every single game or whatever. And I also watch the Giants game highlights in the same kind of way. Um, 
and you know just kind of get the feel that first richie james touchdown that crowd erupted uh, and in the context of all the other games around the league, is like one of the loudest celebrations uh, in the whole week's, you know, week worth of games. Uh, the And it had all the makings for it, right? Like there was a 50-degree day, although it was New Year's Day, so you're probably going to get normal. Uh, that's a rougher turnout, I guess. A little hangoverish. <laughs> but I guess I, I guess a lot of people do have off on Monday, so maybe maybe that did help. But the fifty degree weather definitely helps. The fact that it's an AFC opponent that's already knocked out. There's, it's not really a, a team that has fans that travel real well that that I know of. There was like, a smidgen of guys wearing Manning jerseys, but very. Va- like I mean, 10, 15 years ago, I don't even think five percent of the crowd. No. No, it, it was a very low amount of visiting fans, and and the stadium was packed to the gills this week. Mm-hmm. It really, it really was a true looking sellout, um, and it was fantastic. It was, it was loud. It was a great, great game. One of uh, the was this the best one in recent memory? I was kind of thinking about that. Was like the last real beating the Giants have put on somebody that you know. But also, the like, within within context, too, like, taking beating the shit out of some team in week 17 that's also eliminated from the playoffs and yeah, it doesn't have... Yeah, yeah it, it has no feeling to it, right? You're like, okay, cool, that was kind of awesome. I can't wait till next year, I but guess. But even that, we've had so little of those because we're in a situation where we're out of it. We usually stink, and we're right. the finish line. Yeah, like, I, I try and think, like, there's that one Washington game that was, like, week 17 or something like that where Barkley had, like, 200-plus r- yards on the ground alone mm-hmm. uh, or, or something like that. I know he, t- he took, like, the wheel route up there, but, but I think we didn't make the playoffs anyway. I think that was the same year that the Eagles tanked and we didn't right. make it. So, like, even that that beating of Washington, just, like, it's forgettable. It's lifeless. I mean, it has nothing to it. This game was fantastic, and it, it had everything. Um, going right off, let's just start with the offense because that's going to be – Daniel Jones played magnificent. Um, not a super heavy workload. I guess – would you consider 24 passes a heavy workload passing the ball? Um, well, I mean, based on circumstance, I mean, we were up pretty big. There was no really no reason to pass. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but, but it, he, he certainly had a heavy workload running the ball with 11, yeah, it, 11 carries. You know, it, it just seemed like a game. It didn't seem like, you know, we were being run heavy or, or pass heavy or anything. It was just like, okay, you know, it would have been nice if MetLife actually puts up stats during the game. So we kind of know, so we don't have to go to our phones every 30 seconds, but Another reason we love that stadium so much. But, no, I mean, I, I just think that, uh, you know, we've been saying this the last couple episodes. He's finally got complete control of this offense. He's, you know, there's no training wheels on him. I give all the credit in the world to, to Mike Kafka and uh, Brian Dable for getting the most out of they can with this offense with the weapons that they do have. They're not trying to do things they know aren't physically possible based with on these wide receivers. Um, but within the limitations they have, they are doing everything they can and they are getting as much water out of these rocks as they can. And it's, you know, that's, that's a testament to the, to scheme, play calling, decision-making by the quarterback and execution by the guys that are playing. So I give a, a collective star to the offense, uh, top to bottom. Wow. A collective star from top to bottom. And, and 
Um, I, I, I'm giving Daniel Jones a star specifically. I completely agree with you. It looks like he is in complete control of this offense. He looks mm-hmm. comfortable in an offense for the first time in a long time. Um, I, and I feel like we've probably said that on the podcast in the past in different offenses. Um, but this looks like something that he can build on that's going to be here. Like that takes full advantage of his skills. Um, you know, maybe perhaps we'd like some more deep shots, but we are dealing with rough personnel right now. Yeah. Um, but but Daniel Jones, 19 of 24, 177 yards in the air, two touchdowns throwing the ball, 11 rushes for 91 yards, two touchdowns, smart runs, in my opinion, on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of criticism about him taking unnecessary hits. I kind of disagree. I thought everything he took was within reason. I think you know he something? protected the ball well as well. That's who he is as a runner. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, I know there's other people out there who are like, he has to learn how to slide. He learned, that's just who he is. I mean, Tim Tebow is a similar guy where he just ran. That was his style of running. And, you know, the odds of him getting hurt by just running and getting tackled are, are not as much as, you know, getting blindsided, you know, from poor tackle play, for example, or Correct. a blindside hit. I mean, this, this is what his special sauce is, is his ability to run. And if he's going to get hurt, that's just kind of the risk we have to take because if he's not, if that's not part of his game, he is a very average to probably below average quarterback. This is a special sauce. I, I thought I completely agree with you. I thought he started the game a little sketchy. A couple of errant throws in the first two drives uh, maybe wasn't super crisp, but literally everything after that was pretty much perfect. And his best throw of the day might be an underrated one was. I think it's the drive right before the end of the half. He's uh, first play of the drive. He's like getting tackled, uh, makes a great throw before mm-hmm. hitting the ground to Daniel Bellinger. It was fantastic, but he was just lightning all over the field. The other one was the uh, um, the touchdown throw to Richie James. His pocket feel and pocket presence is by far his most improved trait this year. Oh God! I, and I know that he's got much better tackle play, and and that is a huge part of it. Um, you know, he does not. You know, Andrew Andrew Thomas's development uh, can't be understated. Evan Neal's addition can't be understated, though. I mean, he is a rock r- rookie, and um, you know, getting his feet wet as well. But it is clear and evident if you've ever watched Daniel Jones in the past how different he is feel feeling the yeah. pressure in the pocket and and moving and escaping it. Um, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, I also thought that Richie James had a fantastic day. Seven catches on seven targets for 76 yards, the touchdown as well. He's just, you know, I don't know. How would you describe him? Like a, a wide receiver four or five probably in most NFL offenses? Yeah, I'm thinking if we had, you know, our full complement of receivers, he would be, you know uh, – He'd be a very dynamic piece to be, you know, if, if you have your cornerback one and two covering guys like Sterling Shepard, yeah. for example, you know, and not having to worry about him, he could be even more dangerous. And um, he's being very effective. He's catching everything he needs to catch. Um, people are not around his shrieking anymore because they think he might drop something. And he's just do, he's doing everything we're asking him to do. And that's all you really can do with these receivers right now. 
would you feel i mean we're i guess we're seeing it right now uh all we really need out of a, a guy like richie james is to uh feel like there won't be a massive drop off if you lose wandale robinson for a short stretch of time I mean, obviously, there's no there's no real prepared plan for losing a starter for a giant stretch of time. At that yep. point, you just kind of have to make do with what you got. So that's usually what you look for. And he is way outplaying that. Yeah, I mean, this lost, this feels we, like we lost two starters this, for long, long stretches this year. I mean, yeah, right now Richie James, right now he's wide receiver one on the on this team and. You know, this is not going to be a dynamic passing game with these receivers. We know that is not that big play capability downfield. We know that. So if you don't have that, you have to make sure you can catch everything that's thrown to you and be sure and make sure if it's third and seven, you know, get to the sticks, catch the ball, move the chains. That's how, you know, you don't have big scoring, quick strike capability. Do exactly what this offense is doing now. It's, uh, you know, move the chains, eat clock. We, we said that during this game. Remember we said we need a nice seven-minute drive here? Late first half, I think it was? Yeah. We, we pretty much got that by doing just those things. That's going to be our key to winning with this 2022 roster. Um, other receivers of note, Isaiah Hodgins had a touchdown, four catches on five targets for 42 yards, continues to be a reliable target, a good route runner. Daniel Bellinger, three catches on three targets for 42 yards. Um, had probably the best catch of the day, uh, converting a third and seven for like 10 yards of outstretched hands catch over the middle. was fantastic. Darius Slayton gets a fart for me. Two catches on three targets. And this is a pretty, no, I don't know. Two catches on three targets for only 14 yards. One of those catches was a fumble. First play of the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, good thing that you're already up 28 to three at that time, but... Uh, can't do that. Yeah, I mean, Slayton is Slayton. You know, it's he's been unreliable the entire time he's been with this team. I've never been a fan of him. He's probably out kicked his coverage. You know, at times this year, but that's a little harsh. <laughs> this is this is all a little harsh. But what's that? Just I, this. I, I, but, I, but I've been pretty consistent in that criticism. You know, this year, last year, year before. I've not, I've not never been a fan of his really, and. You know, I still think he's probably the best receiver on the roster right now that's not on IR. Uh, he might. How do you define that? I mean, I don't think he's the most consistent. I don't think he's the most reliable. No. He's, he might be capable of making, you know, making the biggest splash play or, you know, the, the, the one guy most likely to, you know, bust something out for a long, long, you know, touchdown run, uh, you know, catch or something. But. I don't know. I just don't. I've never had him in the trust zone, and I know I even said to you during the game, are they actually kind of phasing him out a little bit? Because it seems like the, you know, the uh, more of the targets go to Hopkins and and to Richie James than than him. I think it just depends on the opponent. I think that they have their their more preferred underneath options are going to be Bellinger, Hodgins, and James, and mm-hmm. I think. Their more over-the-top options are going to be Hodgins and Slayton. Mm-hmm. So I think Indianapolis is just going to sit back in too deep. And when you have a like, why, why, why test that deep when you can just do something underneath? Yeah. That, um, so I, I think it's just a situational, 
uh, thing, especially when you consider the uh, the lead. There was no reason to test deep. Of course, or that's anything like that. I, so, I, I did make that comment though earlier in the game. You did. That. No, you did. Yeah. Um, overall, I would say I'd give one more star out. Just generally speaking, the blocking, and it, not just the offensive line, tight ends, the wide receivers, downfield blocking. Not everything mm-hmm. was perfect. Guys were pulling. I mean, there was some stuff where guys didn't ha- know who to block because there was nobody there. The blocking was going so well. There were some others where guys pulling couldn't quite get there. But overall, I would say this looked like a fantastic day for Giants blocking. It was not perfect, but this is one of the better games that we've seen. I I just am proud of this team because coming off, you know, a disappointing Minnesota game, not not the way they play, but just the the result, like a a 61-yarder is kind of a gut puncher in this playoff battle and to come out and be all, you know, all cylinders firing from from the initial snap. This team was prepared mentally, physically to play and they did it. And that that gives a star to me to this coaching staff and to the captains of this team too. That was take care of business and let's get into the playoffs officially and move on with our lives. And they made a statement by doing it. Well said, man. I mean, this is, I, we were afraid that this was going to be like, let them hang around kind of situation, play it conservative, play it safe. Don't do anything to lose the game. Nah, this is, they, they went out there, they took care of business, like you said, and they continued to put the boots to them. Mm-hmm. They were not letting them get up at all. I mean, I guess worth mentioning they didn't even have their starting quarterback by the second half, who is, you know, their we might backup. We'll talk and, about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll flip it to the defense. Um, right. I'm going to give him a star anyway for the performance. Kayvon Thibodeau, five tackles, four of which were solo, the sack, two tackles for a loss, and one pass breakup that was nearly a pick six on a beautiful play. Yeah. Um, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I mean, you know, he started off the season, you know, a little banged up. It took him a while to get fully healthy. But you see potential in this guy to be one of those guys, watch around the league, just a complete dominating force that, you know, you have to account for at every second. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about the Snow Angel thing. You know, that's what this league encourages. You know, they specifically set up cameras in end zones so when you have an interception or a fumble, you have a bunch of assholes making poses and completely canned things. So every player is just – it's all about me and all about this showing off business. And if coaches don't like it, you know, this is what this league wants. They like that showmanship and, you know, so Jeff Saturday can eat a dick for all I can. The, the, first of all, the guy shouldn't even be a coach in this league. And, you know, if you think that's uh, Bush League or whatever, you know, just be thankful you even have this job. Um, maybe you should be spending a little more time worrying about why none of your uh, one of your players are standing up for their quarterback while he's you know doing his histrionics. But that aside, you know that was a devastating hit, and he's a guy that you know you better game plan very significantly for. And the more that people pay attention to him, we have three other guys on that front that can cause a lot of damage with pressure on the quarterback, especially with this Wink Martindale defense that. We'll talk later about you know contracts and future things, but this is shaping up to be a pretty devastating front four going forward. You no, know, rest of this playoffs and into you know next year and beyond. Man, you're not kidding. And, and the the front four, well, I mean, uh, this was a mostly rest day for Aziz Ojolari, 
uh, only got like five snaps or something yeah. like that. But 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 even so, Jod Ward is having a fantastic year. So um, they are all heating up pretty well. Um, and and I think it's like a weekly thing. We could give a star to Dexter Lawrence. Literally every week, I think. Five tackles, four solo today. The sack he had was on Quentin Nelson. Just absolutely bullied him. Just walked him right back into the quarterback and took them both out. Literally tackled an offensive lineman and a quarterback at the same time. Had three quarterback hits on the day. Um, We got to talk about Landon Collins. You know, we we had debates whether you re-sign him or not in our consensus was that he's kind of a one-dimensional guy, you know, not very good in pass coverage. And what does he do? He gets a pick six. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, great, great for him. It's got to be nice. You know, he, he was signed here way back in October. Didn't really get any significant playing time. Super humble. You know, takes the position change, which I'm sure he didn't love the idea of. Um, pretty much essentially an inside linebacker at this point, though still playing kind of an in-the-box defensive back role in uh, Wing Martindale's defense. But still, nonetheless, uh, certainly playing for a lot less money than he was just you know, signed for a couple of years ago at Washington. Sure. Um, huge play, comes into the game to, for, for injured Darnay Holmes, and for the first play just takes it to the house, <laughs> reads the route the whole way. Um that, I like that little interior combo of Tony Jefferson and him. A couple of hitters back there, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know really, Landon really Collins, cool stuff. Landon Collins is the only giant on this roster who was a giant last time they were in the playoffs. No. Yes. Sterling Shepard. Well, he's not active. Well, he's, he's on IR, but, I mean, okay. he is on the roster. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Which, but that and that's funny because he showed up halfway through the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and and that was the last time he will. Was that the no? That wasn't the last time the Giants themselves had a pick six, was it? Can't be. Oh, can't be. No, no, that that can't be. No, not even close. Yeah. Janoris Jenkins had one in Denver. There's a million other ones, I'm sure. But, um. Other guys on defense. I think just generally, this was a game where you knew that they were going to be running the ball a lot, and they weren't that great against the run. That that was 128 yards they gave up on the ground, but they also weren't bad against the run. Mm-hmm. Um, well, also and, a lot of that too. If you remember in the third quarter, they had a long, long drive Indy. Um, yep. You know, a lot of it was on the ground, backup quarterback too. So it's like you're kind of okay with that like oh they, yeah absolutely it was like a seven minute drive yeah, if you want to chew up seven minutes and you're down 21 points or whatever it was be my guest so i'm not overly concerned about the numbers this week um you know the goal was you don't want to give up a big play and you know give them seven points just like that so right correct yeah. um but in general, there's no that that plan doesn't work if the tackling isn't very good. And a couple of weeks ago, that was specifically something that we were calling out, and we've mm-hmm. been watching it get better, commenting on how it's been getting better week to week. It was fantastic. It was good. I keep saying the word fantastic tonight. Mm-hmm. Hey, it was, it was a great game. I rewatched it night. twice. Sure. Um, overall, I didn't really have a defensive fart. I mean, the the one bad play was the bomb. Hmm. Right? I mean, I, I can't really think of anything else that was super egregious or... 
No, even the touchdown that they scored with like, I think Fabian Moreau had a legitimate gripe for offensive pass interference. I think we both said that at the time too. It looked like he did, and like shitty CBS broadcast, absolutely terrible. <laughs> no replays of anything. Um, so you only get the one replay. It's like in the corner of the screen, and it's a bad camera angle. But it kind of just looks like he hooks him with his arm and just throws him, mm-hmm. and then breaks the opposite direction. Uh, really, at, at that point in the game, not really any reason for the officials to throw a flag on that. I mean, right. I know a, a flag is a flag, penalty is a penalty, but game was moving super fast. Kind of doesn't matter. That was at the very end of that seven-minute drive. They're still down twenty-one at the end of it. Doesn't matter. Um, I have no other comments on the on the game itself. As we kind of move on from the game, do you feel like this team, the the, the way they've been playing lately, and I'll, I'll throw the last three games into it. You know, never mind the final results. Does this team, to you, feel like a playoff team? Like we can actually do some damage in the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. Um, and we'll get into playoff scenarios at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Just like your State of the Union, like in ten but, words. But absolutely, less. I mean, why not? I mean, here we are. I want Minnesota, and that is looking like it's going to be the case. And they just barely lost to Minnesota. And then following that, beat the shit out of another team. I mean, to me, that alone, considering the time frame and the guys that are getting healthy and the guys that didn't play in those games, yeah, they look like a team that could win. If you can win one playoff game, that's making some noise, especially when you're a wild card. Sure, sure. Not winning your division, might not get double-digit wins this year. That's making some noise. So there's a legitimate chance they can knock off the number two seed. Then yes, they do to me. Yeah. What about you? You don't think so? I, I the way they played the last, you know, really. I, I guess since the, the rematch at Washington, that mean, think about, you know, this whole conference seems like it could. You know, even if Jalen Hurts comes back, is he going to be a hundred percent coming back? Because you know, they don't like the same team without him. We can debate all we want how great he is individually, but you know, right now Philadelphia is in a position where they week seventeen matters to them now. All of a sudden, Dallas, yeah, you know, do we really trust uh, Dak Prescott at this moment? I don't know. I mean, San Francisco is as complete of a team as they look. Still have a third string quarterback. You know, Minnesota, we saw them up close two weeks ago and we're not impressed with them very much well why don't we why don't we why don't we just talk about this why don't we just do this now let's just yeah. talk about the playoff scenario so right now the the teams in the hunt and uh, they are philadelphia san francisco minnesota tampa bay dallas the giants seattle detroit and green bay those are all the teams that are possible of those which teams don't you really want to play uh I would say right now I do not want to play San Francisco. Um, I would not want to play Philadelphia. No, I think uh, because I think by the time we would get to Philadelphia, I think Hertz would be closer to 100. percent And you know that team again they they boat race us the first time. Um, again, we were in that low we were mentioning before, but. Uh, They'll be playing in Philadelphia. You know, you know that fan base is going to be, uh, you know, foaming at the mouth with the sight of New Yorkers coming down there and everything. And that that whole franchise has a hard on for us anyway. 
So, um, yeah, I say those are the two that really scare me. Dallas, I know I did say a lot during this season. They scare me a lot, but uh, Dak is not playing well. <laughs> he, you know, a lot of picks lately. I think they might be a little soft. And I also think there's a coaching advantage with us over Dallas. And then when you get to like teams like, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, and then any of the other like kind of the wild card teams, none of those teams really scare me. I don't know. Um, it, of all the teams that I do, I, the teams I wouldn't mind playing are Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Seattle. I don't mind. I don't mind a rematch with Seattle or Minnesota. At Minnesota, I actually want. Tampa Bay doesn't really scare me. They seem like a lockdown Mike Evans, and you've got yourself seems a, like a, a little game. seems like a little pixie dust with them. His uh, yeah, the, the pixie dust being thrown around. Um, although I mean, Mike Evans, they couldn't lock him down this past week, and then you know he broke loose. And you know, there's something about Brady. You know, it's a, it's a, I feel like it's, it's a team. Like if you can get a nice lead against them. Don't worry as much if they hang around. They're going to find a way at the end. But I'll take my chances with that team because they kind of stink overall. Um, I'm not really sure I want any part of Green Bay right now. Um, they don't. I don't want to say that they scare me, but they have clearly figured something out for themselves mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks that they were looking for when we got them. Um. I'm not going to say I'm going to be overly upset if we have to play them at some point in the playoffs. Um, Green Bay may not even make the playoffs. so It probably would be a conference final if we played them, right? I, I, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. so. I mean, <laughs> if we're at that point. I mean, yeah. that, 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 I'm, that's irrelevant. I'm just listing the teams that are in it and who I would. I just, yeah, they're not really way up. There. I think they might be on to something. Detroit, I, I, I I don't know. That was such a rough game to watch. I don't know if I really want to play them. Dallas, I agree with you, but still, I don't really like us matching up against that defense. Same story with San Francisco. I get it that that's Brock Purdy. I don't really want to line up against that defense. And I agree with you again with Philadelphia. Um, By the time you get to them, you know, whether they get the first round by or not, um, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be back by playoff time no matter what. I think they're being overly cautious with whatever his deal is. I agree. Um, or not overly cautious like that 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 has like a negative connotation. I just think it maybe is ballooning into a bigger story because they're being cautious with it. The teams that worry me the most are the teams that, you know, can just you know, throw the ball vertically and, you know, potentially get lots of passing yards downfield. Those are the teams that scare me the most. And I guess, yeah, Aaron Rodgers fits into that category. Detroit fits into that category. You know, San Francisco is just, you know. I don't mean, I don't really want any part of their running game. I got to no. be honest with you. Yeah, but they're also, they're, they're kind of a unique case. They have, you know, a couple of absolute studs, a solid offensive line, a good blocking scheme to what they do, and they're well coached. Yeah. So going into scenarios here. Right now, uh, it is Philadelphia is the one seed. San Francisco is the two seed. Minnesota is the three seed. Tampa Bay is the four seed. Um, and then Dallas, Giants, Seattle, that's five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. We are locked in at six. So yes. this is going to be a bigger conversation for our next episode is, you know, you know, who do you sit? Who do you play? Because nothing we do matters in this game. Philadelphia, it does matter. They will 
gain or lose that one seed because Dallas is playing Washington. Well, okay, let's run through it. Philadelphia is playing us last week. San Francisco is playing Arizona. Mm-hmm. Who do you think wins that game? San Francisco, Arizona. That's San Francisco, right? San Francisco. Okay. Um, and that puts them up to 13-4. and four. Minnesota mm-hmm. is playing Chicago. I think that one could go either way, the way Chicago has been playing. Did I see something that Justin Fields may not play? Oh, well, if that's the case, I only kind of looked at this if, if you know, everybody healthy played. Mm-hmm. But why wouldn't he? I mean, I, I, I know it means nothing, but I thought but I saw the something point? in passing that he there was a decision about him, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do I know? Uh, I still think Minnesota wins no matter what, you know, even if Justin Fields plays. But I don't think that one's going to be super, you know, slam dunky. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess if Justin Fields doesn't play. But either way, that keeps them at 13-4. and four. Would you agree with that, Minnesota wins? Yes, I do. Tampa Bay has Atlanta. That's a Tampa Bay win probably, right? <laughs> I, I have no idea what Tampa Bay. I mean, they look like. I want to say that that's obvious, but. You know something? So I, you know, you all know I'm from Tampa and I have a lot of friends down there. And I'm on multiple text chains with, you know, different things, you know, gators, whatever. And for two hours and 45 minutes, every single Sunday, my phone is clogged up with how much this team sucks, how awful uh, the offensive coordinator is, how awful head coaches, how awful the defense is, blah, 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 blah. You would think this friggin' team was 0-15 right now. And then I look at I look at the scores at 4.05, they've won. So, you know, are they just lucky they have the greatest quarterback of all time who knows how to master the two-minute offense like no one have, has ever had in history? Or are they just a team that just is just kind of waiting to, for the playoffs to start to get serious? I don't know. So, I, you logic would say, well, they should beat Atlanta, but I don't know. I just don't know if this team's really any good or not, or they just get great performances at the end of games. I I don't really know, and the whole NFC South has been kind of a mystery all year. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Tampa Bay wins this game. Um. I'll say they'll win. Yeah, and that that'll put them to nine and eight. They'll seal NFC South. They're gonna they're gonna keep that four seed. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas plays Washington. I I I mean I can't imagine Washington winning this game if they can't win when they unveil Commander Tutty or whatever his name is. <laughs> um, Are we certain Ron Rivera is back next year? I'm not. I mean. I'm going to say yes because he's supposed to be a big part of their, like, image turnaround. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? What? That That's, like, an actual thing. I'm not just saying that. They I know, like, I know. I, I just, he, he, like, took charge. That's, like, a that's like a part of his responsibilities was yeah. oh, I know he, you, he I had know a right. bigger just... thing beyond the coaching. I, so, yes, I think so. Do I think he deserves to be? I was thinking about that all day today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I mean, I know. But then again, guys... I mean, look at what they—they they were still competitive with Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke as their quarterbacks this year. I mean, uh, when you consider that, yeah. But also, I think you know he's catching a lot of heat for going back to Carson Wentz. Yeah, and, and deservedly so. But I mean, I don't know. Is there really a? 
I, I could Let's you say, could you make an yeah. argument that you go back to Carson Wentz to ensure that you don't want to re-sign him next year? I mean, you lost him halfway through the year due to injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that not a viable reason to start him in meaningless games in the stretch? Well, I guess it wasn't meaningless this week for them, was it? No, no, no. Hmm. Okay. All right. Fair. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking like, let's say a Sean Payton's out there and is like signals to, you know, his people talk to some other people and say, you know, that Washington job I think might be interesting. Yeah. I don't think that's happening though. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know the Sean Payton thing is we actually were discussing this uh, yesterday, like where, you know, what would be a good landing spot for Sean Payton right Wherever now. he wants is the, is a good landing spot because he has that kind of leverage. He can right, sit right. around and keep his network well, job until what would be a good job that he would find attractive. I think with, so. either with a quarterback or the act, the ability to get a high draft pick this year. So I mean, does Washington fit that? That uh, profile, uh, I would say no. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't even know if he's going to take a job this year. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's. We don't. We don't know what stories. jobs are available, but right. But also, you know, in this league and some of these crazy owners, you know, they just might launch somebody if they think, if they get whiff that Sean Payton's interested. Yeah, I mean, uh, whatever. Uh, other other purpose people's problems for the just commander show or whatever not for our our problem right now um so i think dallas wins uh and that keeps them at 13 and 4 and it keeps them right ahead of us in the fifth seed Mm -hmm. because i think we are probably going to lose i'm going just on face value assuming everyone is playing i think that you know we're playing for nothing. Philadelphia is playing for something. Mm-hmm. We'll just go with it that we're going to lose. That'll yeah. put us at nine, seven, and one. Doesn't make a difference. We're staying right where we're staying. Win or lose. Right. Uh, and then the interesting stuff happens at the bottom, which is kind of irrelevant to us because we're kind of only looking to the number three seed as far yeah. as what we play. But I think Seattle beats the Rams. I don't no. really know what the Rams story is this year, but. Seattle may not be playing super well, but I do think they'll beat the Rams. And I think all Seattle needs to do is – no, Seattle needs to win and Green Bay needs to lose for Seattle be, to be in. Okay, yeah. So, um, so if Green Bay wins, they're in? Correct. I believe Green Bay controls their destiny. And they are the two other teams in the hunt. Green Bay plays Detroit. And that is really the game to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, who do you think wins that game? Detroit needs a Seattle loss and to win, and they'll be in. So they have everything to play for. And it's so also assume, Dan Campbell, so you can assume that they are playing. What do you mean, assuming it's, it will be meaningful? No, didn't you say somebody had to lose and then... Yeah, but I think they'll play at the same time. Okay. So they won't know. If it, they'll just have to assume it's meaningful. So they assume it's meaningful? I mean, it's still Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. They I have the Green same Bay. record. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry. It is in Green Bay as well. It's in Green Bay. I'll go with Green Bay. For two factors. One, it's home. And two, it's still Aaron Rodgers. Man, I don't know. I, I don't feel strongly about this choice, but I'm going Detroit. Ooh. Um, they just... I don't know. 
they've just been hot second half of the year. Green Bay looks like it's a little fluky, might be relying and relying on just some random Aaron Rodgers magic. Um, I don't know. I don't feel great about it. But regardless, everybody winning except us doesn't change a damn thing because if Seattle wins, well, I guess I guess it matters. Green Bay or Seattle. Um That'll be the seed behind us playing the number two seed, which is San Francisco. Right. So which team of those, the Detroits, the Green Bays, and the Seattles, which team has the best shot against San Francisco in your opinion? Detroit, Green Bay, or or, or Seattle. Um, That game's in, in San Francisco. Um... I'm going to say Green Bay still. I still think, again, I'm still going with the best quarterback in those situations. What if it's still Brock Purdy? Is it going to be still Brock Purdy? I believe it's still going to be. So I'm going to go with best defense there, and I'm actually going to say, I don't know, is Detroit the best defense? Well, I mean, we saw them both. We saw all three teams up close and personal. What, What did you think? At the time, it felt like we couldn't do shit against Detroit. Um, Seattle just felt like it was at the end of a stretch. I don't know. Um, They all seem pretty similar to me. I don't know. I I think San Francisco wins no matter what. I agree. Um, That would put Minnesota and us together, which is kind of exactly what I want. I want Mm -hmm. that team. I don't want to dwell on that because we have a whole episode about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Tampa Bay would then play Dallas. I mean, is that just a Dallas steamroll? Uh, It could very well be. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And also, Uh, too, you know, there might be 20,000 Dallas fans in Tampa for that game. You think so? Sure. For a playoff home game? Sure. In the Tom Brady era? It's a Tom Brady era, but it's not it's, – it's 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 weird down there. I mean, there's so many – you know, the Bucks are not – the Bucks are kind of like the Brooklyn Nets where they're a much bigger story and popular nationwide than they are in their actual local, you know, uh, hometowns. Weird. And there will be a lot – there will be a lot of Cowboy fans there, especially since you almost kind of know – they're probably buying the tickets right now, assuming that's going to be the matchup. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be a very interesting playoff push. And we're, Jesus, how cool. Can we just take five seconds to talk about how cool it is that we're even talking about this? We finally got to do an episode where we're talking about playoff scenarios. It's really amazing. Again, you know, we are going to do a whole segment, I guess, on our next show about how did we get here? Like, what, what do we think were the biggest reasons for the, for this collective, you know, amazingness? But yeah, I mean, this is what, this is why the NFL is so great and what we've been missing out on for the past decade. It's almost like there's giant football and then there's the NFL where all these other teams are participating in, you know, when you, you know, when you watch like, uh, what's his name? Steve Kornecki, the guy on, uh, the Sunday night, the, the guy who does the the board, like the percentages and everything, talking about all these different teams. And we're never on that board. And now we're part of the NFL. We're not just our own little thing. And, you know, it, it makes everything just so more, more much more exciting. I mean, I've never watched more going around Sunday ticket than I have had this year. Usually it's just like, well, we're out of it. I don't really 
you know, need to watch the Dallas game. Who cares? But now it's like, well, what's going on with them? Or Seattle, have to check out that game and see what's happening. So it's great, you know, especially since my Gators, you know, shit the bed. I mean, because it gives me hope for the fall again. It's it's great. Um, before we segue into the last bit that we want to go over, uh, can't say enough, you know, piggybacking off of what you are saying, can't say enough about what the coaching staff has done from Brian Dayball all the way down to Mike Kafka, you know, Wink Martindale, etc. Shea Tierney, you, name, name a coach. They've all had a huge hand in this season. Uh, do you think that Brian Dayball gets coach of the year? Gut feeling? Um, they vote on just regular season, right? They don't vote on what happens in the postseason. I think so. I don't know. I don't usually, I don't actually care about this. I just wanted your opinion. So I don't really know the rules or, uh, I think for the combination of what expectations were before the year and performance during the year, I mean, he, uh, nothing surprises me, but I, I would be a little surprised if he didn't win. I mean, who else really out there? is a uh you know a, a real viable candidate for it Sirianni I guess but he also might have the MVP of the league too which really helps well I mean, I mean would you credit him for making him that I mean people are crediting Dable for you know helping fix Jones so right but Daniel Jones is you know he's he's turned around Daniel Jones but Daniel Jones is not just uh, uh you know he's not uh Jalen Hurts just saying. I, yeah. I, I think Nick Sirianni could easily win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I think. I think it's going to be one of those two, most likely. Interesting. Um, and you can't say enough about what Joe Shane has been able to do with this roster. I mean, you think about the impact that guys that were brought in midway through the year, Landon Collins, Isaiah Hodgins, the impact mm-hmm. that they've had on the year. So the big news actually happened before the game even kicked off. Um and this is news that we're going to be talking about for weeks, months, and uh, probably we'll be talking about their impact for years. It was reported by Ian Rappaport before the game, just a couple hours before, uh, maybe like an hour before I got to the tailgate, so probably like mm-hmm. 9 in the morning, that the Giants offered or are offering both Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones multi-year contracts. So worth discussing. It, so that is the news. That is allegedly what's happening. So it doesn't really matter what our opinions are and if they should, because apparently they are. But nevertheless, how does that make you feel? Well, I think it means that, uh, you know, it. I think it changes the timeline of what they think this rebuild needs to be. Um, you know, if they were looking out, okay, it's going to take, three, four years for this team to be really competitive again, I think they would have moved on from Daniel Jones. I, I said it before the season started, and I still believe it. What I said back then to be true, I really thought that they were just, you know, they were giving Daniel Jones a look this year. I didn't think they were really committed. I think they were fully ready to move on for him. I think his performance this year um, has made them, evaluate over a a 17 game season, not just tape they saw, not just preseason, but, you know, firing bullets for a full season. They think they can win with this guy. And guess what? This team is making the playoffs with this guy, doing a lot of it on his own, shouldering a lot of the burden, doesn't have the receivers, doesn't have a great offensive line, 
you know, has one rookie tight end, all these things, and he's getting better and better and better. Um, so that, you know, the success of this season, I think, moves up their timeline of when they think they can really compete for a Super Bowl. You know, the goal is of this is not to make the playoffs. We're happy today, but this is not the goal. This is the first step. This The goal is to win a Super Bowl. That's why all these guys are hired. And, you know, if they think he's the guy, you know, that's great. You lock him up now, and then you worry about you know, those draft picks and those assets and other free agent money on filling other needs on this team because there are other needs. But now quarterback isn't one of those, and that's one of the hardest pieces to find. Um, I feel like they have real. I, I agree with you. I think that they have now a clearer view of their window of a shot at the Super Bowl. <clears throat> And uh, they apparently see Daniel Jones in that. I think that that what I've seen this year, I don't think it's an impossibility. I mean, already going to the playoffs, and we're talking about the chance of making some noise in the playoffs with the garbage that's around him on offense. I mean, really, I mean, offensive line that is figure, and in their first year of this offense as well, they've got a main contributor was brought in here in November first on offense. They traded away a guy. They have a massive contract sitting on the bench as no part of this offense whatsoever. They are really, really, really just doing things off the, with the seat of their pants, off the seat of their pants, and they're they're in the playoffs and making noise. Mm-hmm. Um, I I see no reason why they can't compete for a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones based on what I was seeing this year, uh, and I understand that that is in this year is in a vacuum off of the other evidence we have of these players. Um, But, you know, this isn't my decision. This is what they are doing. And I think they are basing it based on this one year because they're getting better use out of these two players than any other coach before them. Um, I think that if they're going to do this, um, obviously they need to spend significant resources in the offseason bolstering that offensive line uh, getting Daniel Jones some more talented weapons to throw to, um, continuing to let him work with Mike Kafka, obviously, um, all those kinds of things. But as far as Saquon Barkley goes, I think they're going to need another running back, not just to be able to spell him in the event of having to miss time, but to give him just if you want the longevity of Saquon Barkley who has already endured five NFL seasons albeit one with a torn ACL uh you know all those treading on his tires from Penn State i think that they need you know the Matt Breida but somebody more up to Saquon Barkley's level something where they expect to contribute or maybe split think of reps a, a Mod Bradshaw to a Brandon Jacobs correct like, yeah so. And, and and more so so you get your money's worth and you're not wearing Saquon Barkley down to the tire tread. Well, here's what I was thinking about Saquon. When I heard that story, my first thought was, okay, they may have offered each of these guys contracts, but how serious were they for each of them? You know, you can make an offer to Saquon Barkley, which you know he's probably not going to take or, you know— or as opposed to Daniel. Like, I, I think their priority— it's clearly Daniel Jones getting him locked up. 
I think their priority is both. I think this was a planned leak from the Giants organization right I'm before sure. a game that they felt confident they were going to win and clinch a playoff spot right. because it goes over well. Right. So the, the, the fact that the fact that the leak I think comes from the Giants means that they are serious. No matter what the initial offer was, they are serious about both of these players being on multi-year deals. That's my opinion. I don't and know I if you al- agree. I also think they want to get ahead of what the. Uh, the feeling is going to be and the narrative by you, you do this first. You seem proactive. Like you want to keep Saquon Barkley, you know, it wasn't leaked what the offer was. It wasn't leaked whether he accepted or not. We just know something was offered. I think again, I, as much as I love Saquon Barkley, there's a lot of risk with Saquon Barkley. And you know, these, uh, like you said, he's five years into the league now. Um, you know, the track record of of running backs in in their big contracts, you know, term isn't always fantastic. Uh, I I said I I think this is like a this is a narrative play more than anything, and I still would be would not be surprised if they end up just franchising Barkley when all is said and done after this, and then they figure it out. I mean that that is that let, what happens happens, but the, like I said, we have so much time to talk about this, yeah. and that is going to be what we talk about for a huge length of time. Whether we make noise in the playoffs, whether we win the Super Bowl, all that, I mean, we still have months of this. But I do want to talk about their injury concerns because that is a big part about offering them contracts, and that that is something you brought up. I think it's important. Both of these players both have similar concerns. They have significant injury histories that have limited them in their time here. Um, Daniel Jones had a scary neck injury. Saquon Barkley had a scary ACL injury. Um, So there's concerns here. There's also production concerns. Saquon Barkley, you know, we have wondered if he was worth big money. Daniel Jones, is he in the top 15? These are questions that obviously are a big part of them. So you and I are not big contract people. So I just went to what is a fair market deal according to people who do this, which is spot track. Uh, and we're looking at about a four-year contract for Saquon Barkley for roughly $12 million a year and something close to a three-year deal for Daniel Jones looking closer to $25.5 million a year. Um, do those sound like outrageous numbers to you? Just a short... Uh, just for the numbers? No. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think those are workable numbers. Um and when you add it into next year, just adding the twenty five and a half million and the twelve million into what we already have in fifty seven million dollars of cap space, that shrinks us down to twenty million dollars in cap space. Remember, about ten million at least is going to draft picks and wiggle room for the season. So that's really only ten million dollars on the market for wide receiver, center, tight end, linebacker, corner, safety. Um but there's other guys that, you know, Kenny Galladay is as good as gone, right? I would say so. That would add $14 million, I believe, into the pool there. Leonard Williams is a possible candidate that could get cut to. That would add $12 million into the pool. Adoree Jackson is another big contract with a dead out. That would add something like $9 million in there. Those are all guys that could get in. So this is going to be a huge conversation going forward. But would you agree that those numbers for DJ and Barkley – they could build a playoff roster with those annual numbers. You think? Ugh. It's tough, right? 
I, you know, again, I, I think Daniel Jones, I, I'm, I'm in the belief you resign him. And if it's 25 million or it's 28 million, I think you do it. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you have to spend that all that extra amount for Barkley and again, it's 12 if, million a year, but yeah, but again, you, you, you took the number. We only have X amount left and the, the names you're talking about are the names that are making this team a playoff team. You know, if you have to cut a Dory Jackson, if you have to cut uh, Leonard Williams, those are arguably, you know, two of the four best guys we have on defense. You know, you're not going to you're not going to you're making the decision with by re-signing Daniel Jones that you think the window has started already building off a playoff year. Those are pretty significant cuts where with Barkley. Well, Galladay, it's not. But Williams Galladay. and Jackson, yeah. Right. Galladay is actually a if you if you sign Barkley and cut Galladay, it's still two million dollars in savings. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Barkley. I mean but I think you make a good point though. I mean Yeah. It, it, I know Barkley's already making seven million dollars a year, and this is our or made seven million dollars this year, and this is. I mean, it's still a five million dollar increase. That's like doubling his salary. Well, I guess we also don't you know that's what the fair market value is. But again, what is he going to ask for? Of and course, what, right, right. And what right. is he going to settle for? But and then, but that brings it all into a whole other conversation for down the road. But for now, I just I just wanted to throw the estimates around mm-hmm. because you know there I is a significant overhaul that's going to happen. My short answer is. If you, I think I'd have to prioritize one over the other, and to me, it's a no-brainer. It's Daniel Jones. I agree. I think I think they're going to, I think they're going to bring them both back. I think we'll see both back next year. I just think they view the the two of them as the engine. Now, whether that's a multi-year deal for both, we will see when it happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is all stuff we're going to be talking about for months and months and months. In the meantime, we're going to be talking about the Philadelphia game. That's going to be a huge question on who plays, who doesn't play. Because and that goes for both teams, whether or not Jalen Hurts plays in this game or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be that conversation on Friday morning for all of you guys, and um, we will see you all there on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, etc., and of course on YouTube. Until then, go Giants! Go Giants.